Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin Bates, and I'm the lead pastor for Resonate Christian Church. And we welcome each one of you. And whether you are working today, or you're at home today, or you're able to listen to this at 10 o'clock this morning, or maybe you'll catch bits and pieces of it, we want you to know that we love you and we care about you and that we are praying for you. If you desire to get connected with us, we want you to. So there's some, uh, there's some ways to do that, whether it be on our just connecting through our social media channels or direct messaging us, and we will get back to you. And we want to hear your prayer requests and your thoughts. And so get connected with us as a church and a community. We are every week doing this 10 o'clock broadcast where we are, uh, our services are, are live, the music and the other elements. And this is a pre-recorded broadcast to, to speak directly to our podrishners that we want this just for you. Um, at home or wherever you are at, and to focus on uh, you here in this in this setting through this camera. And at 9.30, we also have coffee time, and at 9.30, we also have our children's program. So if you desire to get connected with those, go ahead and talk to Bethany Flug for our children's program or Becky, Pastor Becky, for our coffee time there. We'll be more than happy to get you connected to those things. Uh, this morning, we are going to take a little bit of a pivot where I'm going to go through the book of James and what's being offered for our racial reconciliation topic and movement is on Sunday, July 26th and also Sunday, August 9th at 3 p.m. each. And so those are going to be hosted outside on our patio. So again, that's July 26th at 3 and August 9th at 3. It's going to be more of a class setting with an itinerary. And so it'll be more of an in-depth study on uh, the topic of understanding privilege. And so if you have a desire to go to that and attend, we want you to contact Pastor Becky for that. She'll be our point person to collect the names and to get you involved with the materials uh, that are necessary for that, for that time. I wanna focus right now on our Christ candle and why we do this. Uh, the Christ candle just represents Jesus with us, God with us, and no matter what we're going through, God is with us. No matter the darkness that we feel or experience, God is with us. So this candle, uh, I have lit every week as a representation of that. And so today we're talking about trials in our life. And I believe as a nation, we are going through great trials as a nation and as a community. If you've been paying attention to what has gone on in our community here locally, you'll understand what I'm talking about and the trials that we have, have been in for a long time yet are exposing themselves in different ways. And so I want to take some time to walk through the book of James in building our faith through trials, the faith to, to overcome. So we are a church that desires to love more like Jesus. And in loving more like Jesus, we can grow in that love through daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and 
celebration. And when we develop those in our life, love will grow. And we know that love uh, prevails through all things, that love never fails. And so we know that as long as we are on that side of history, of loving people like Christ loved them and striving to love more, we know we are on the right side, the correct side of where God wants us to, to head. James explains basically how do you develop and, and experience love and joy and peace and the fruit of the Spirit. And God, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of trial, in the midst of things that are no fault of our own, life happens and things happen. And then the human, the human condition is we, are, we, are all, we all make mistakes and, and we are considered fallen. Like we are considered the, the, the things that we do, uh, we might not want to do them, but as Paul says, it's the sin inside of us that does it. And so we sin against one another. And so whether it be natural disaster or whether it be human disaster, James gives us a great roadmap on how to navigate through those types of, of trials. And he says we have to have faith. We have to have faith. And when I think about that word, or I think about saying just have to have faith, it sounds like a cliche. And I don't want to come across cliche because it's not cliche. We have to have faith, or God wants us to have faith. And when we go through trials to say to somebody, just have faith, that does become actually offensive and a cliche. So what is James talking about? He doesn't just throw out a simple type, type medication for your problem where he says, just do this and you'll be, you'll be fine. I think, that, I think that a life of faith and faithfulness, a life of maturity, a life of growing in wisdom, a life of growing in the fruit of the Spirit, um, we, will, we will gain an understanding. We will know more. We will be able to persevere better. And this word endurance, we will be able to endure more things. And so my hope is that through this national crisis and also local crisis that, that we see is that we would have and grow in our resilience, to be able to be resilient people, to not necessarily uh, just fall by the wayside and lose our faith through what other people do or because we get offended by something somebody says or what they're a part of, but through whatever anybody else is doing and whatever is happening in the world, even what I am doing, uh, that we would have some resilience and learn how to grow in our faith and resilience. So faith is a word that, that revolves around the idea of confidence, that, that the confidence and the assurance that we know that God exists, that Jesus died for us, that, that there is hope in the end where God is coming and he says he will return for his people um, at the end. So it revolves around the idea of confidence. It revolves around the idea of assurance. And I can tell you that over the last, well, since the first COVID outbreak and that season and that first 
handful of days. A lot of people's confidence and assurance was rocked. I think that uh, going through a pandemic and then going through some of the, the tension, uh, racial tension, racism that we have seen and, and experienced, you start stacking these things together, uh, the exposure of them, not the, the, the reality is, is that racism has been a part of our culture for a very long time, yet it exposes itself at different times and in different ways in a very uh, like profound or like worldwide way. So we, we saw that, that all of a sudden we see, we see somebody die on a video and it just smacks, you know, the world in the face, basically, like, wake up. You know, it's time to, to wake up. So I think that in that season and through this season, a lot of our assurance and a lot of our confidence um, has gotten rocked. And I think that, I think that James does a, good, I, I, does a good job in explaining how to put building blocks in our life so that we can run this course called life. That no matter what happens, no matter what is exposed, no matter what all of a sudden becomes like, wham, a smack in the face, whether it be personally or whether it be corporately as a church or whether it be locally, nationally, whatever is rocking us at that moment, that we would have a perseverance to make it and a perseverance to have faith through all things. So what is this faith that James is talking about. It's, it's a faith that's not just silent. It's an assurance and a confidence that's not silent. It's a confidence and assurance in action. It's a faith in action and of action. So if you have a, like a piece of knowledge like you have, and the world needs to know it, and you just hold it inside, and you're just you're just isolated and you don't ever talk about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a form of knowledge. That's a, that's a form of, of, you know, information, I guess. But unless it goes into the world and unless it is, is proven in the world, unless other people are in a conversation with that knowledge, it doesn't turn into wisdom. It just remains information. So information that is tested and knowledge that is refined turns to wisdom over a long period of time. And that's what James motivates us to do. He motivates us towards wisdom. You might know a few things today, but I want you to be grounded and to know them deeply in your life, like almost like the souls that you walk on and the roads that you walk on are going to be paved with the wisdom that I have taught you. So this kind of wisdom, this faith, then calms the rain and the storms in your life. It can calm the mind of rain and the mind of storm, like spoken in, in Hebrews 6. It's that marathon race that in James 1, that marathon race, it's not like the short sprint, it's the, it's the, it's the what is going to get you through to the 18th, 19th, 20th, 20th 21, 20, that what's going to get you to the very end of the marathon? A lot of people can run five miles. How about, how about the, the full 26 
point two. It's not a hundred meter dash, right? So I, I, I have been in ministry and I've seen how people operate and behave with the church for a very long time. And in our very consumer mentality as human beings, I think that we walk into a faith or a faith community and we expect to be a consumer. And James turns us away from that. He says, yes, I know that there are some things to be consumed, but yet if you never turn your faith that you're consuming into a work, then then that's just self-centeredness. You're just sitting there absorbing, uh, absorbing like information, absorbing community. You're not necessarily giving back to the community. And so it takes work. It takes the deed, the holy deeds. It takes giving back. It takes investing in all these things we're going to talk about through James. It takes it takes the, the, the work, he says, faith without works. That is what is going to get us through the endurance. That is what is going to get us through the race, the marathon versus the sprint, is the idea that, that it's, not, it's not this just piece of information that we hold on to. It's not this, hey, I just have this like knowledge. It's tested. It's, it's proven in the world. It's turned to wisdom and we're investing back into community giving and showing love to others in very tangible ways otherwise he says with these very like pointed words he says faith without that kind of action of action in action he says that kind of faith is is dead is dead so let's read one through four james chapter one Verse 1 through 4, from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, to the 12 tribes who are scattered outside the land of Israel. He says, stand firm, my brothers and sisters. Think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete and lacking in nothing complete and lacking in nothing. So the language here is not a one and done. The language here is not, hey, I'm going to purchase this, consume it, and be done. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's a process. He's saying it's a journey. The testing of your faith produces, excuse me, produces endurance. It produces maturity. There's a completeness. There's a, he says, it's a lacking in nothing. Well, I can tell you I lack a lot, and so I don't want to lack. Uh, I want to eventually be moving towards lacking in, in nothing. So this level of stability he's calling that we, we attain over time, he says that's a process, that's a journey, that's not over, overnight. So when did James write this? Uh, James is a, has been a believer for many, many years at this point. He's a pastor who basically has seen and heard it all, let's say. He's seen and heard it all at the time. And so he knew the difficulty of life. He knew the difficulty of just the trials and the tribulations that he was, he was going through. 
But what's really cool about knowing that about this letter and the age of James and when this was penned and such is that he's still learning. He's still growing. He's still wanting to learn how to make it and press through and endure through difficult and uncertain uncertain days. So he gives us kind of a, a, a walk-through outline of what God desires as we go through trials, as we go through crises, what kind, of, what kind of posture are we to have? So I use the word resilience, and that's the word that I'm going to use for the rest of the sermon in these points, and I believe that we have action steps to take. And so the first action that I believe that we must take in order to have this resilience that he is talking about, this, this faith, but a resilient type Faith. So in order to build resilience, he first says in verse 2, and I'm going to use a different translation because of the, the let it be. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity. Let it be an oper- opportunity. Our translation says, think of the various tests and encounters as a- occasions of joy. But this word, this phrase, let it be, has a sense of allowance to it. And a lot of times when we go through life, um, of course, not all the time, and I want to be very responsible with this because mean people are mean, and people do things that are abusive, and people have abusive tendencies. But yet, sometimes the more troubles that we have through life and the, and the more scars that we have through life, it's hard to allow people in. It's hard to allow people to love us. It's hard to allow ourselves to love. It's hard to allow ourselves to have a different, different attitude. And some people say attitude is a choice. Yes and no. Sometimes it's a choice. Sometimes it's just, wow, life is really hard. And to have a posture of, of sorrow, um, it's not the Christian prescription to walk around happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. That's, that's fake. So we're not going to be fake, but he tells us that let it be an opportunity for, for joy. Let it be. So allow it somehow in our lives to motivate us towards this fruit of the spirit of of joy. So we know that life brings trials, and a lot of times, depending on our experiences, I think, well, and even if we have experienced it before, it still happens to us, where we walk through life and we're just like blasted, like, what happened? But, but that happened like last year too, right? So this year, we'd, what happened? So, <clears throat> so sometimes we just are blinded or we're just busy, busy, busy doing our things and we're caught off guard when something, something hits us. Honestly, this, this passage of Scripture is telling us that we should expect such things. We should expect trials in life. We should expect hardship. We should expect maybe even persecution. 
we should expect that things are not going to go our way exactly the way that we want them or we plan. We should have that expectation going in life. It's, it's immature to walk through life um, with, without that expectation. So he says, basically, that we need to expect trials. Yet the key element, he says, is to allow this joy. And how do we, how do we allow joy? Well, first, I believe that we allow joy through telling the truth. We need to be honest with the situation and honest with ourselves, honest with the people around us. We need to tell the truth. I believe that that is a key to survival in life is to be honest and vulnerable and transparent with one another or the people that we love about how we are doing in this this trial. Some of the most beautiful relationships that I have in my life are from people that actually care how I'm doing. Now, you have the, the text that you'll receive, hey, how's it going? Or hey, how are you doing? Even how are you doing? <clears throat> I know that the texting is a communication tool. But nothing replaces somebody looking you face to face and saying, hey, tell me how you are. How are you doing through all this? And, the, and some of the most beautiful relationships that I've had ask me that question, are heartfelt and, and want honest answers. They don't want just the, you know, the California, hey, how's it going? Good, good, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Not, not that, you know, hallway pleasantry. <clears throat> just the heartfelt really wanting an honest answer, and then when you are able to give the honest answer, at that moment, I believe in relationships, something in vulnerability and transparency, when you are vulnerable with another person, it's like a gateway to the Spirit. It's like a gateway to the fruit of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, you will experience at that moment, in vulnerability, a sense of maybe acceptance, a sense of maybe love and joy. Now, if they respond to you in ill, sick ways, you're not going to, you know, experience acceptance. But at that moment, uh, I believe that that's when we can let, let it be an occasion of joy. It only, I believe, can really happen in an honest real, tangible, lifelong way when we learn the power of vulnerability. So that kind of attitude, I think, is different than the fake, I'm just going to have joy, 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 joy down in my heart. What? Down in my... You've heard the song, maybe. So, so just that, that attitude of fakeness is not, is not the Christ, it's not what Jesus wants us to be, and it's not what James is telling us to be. It is a key of survival. Our posture of joy is a key to survival in this life. I would say that I spent a lot of time carrying heavy baggage around in my life. And the moment that I was able to talk about, <clears throat> maybe I, I talked about my, <clears throat> my molestation went the first time to anybody when I was 20, 
I think about 21 years old, 20 to 21 years old, I finally revealed that something like that happened to me. I honestly felt like I was alone in that. What? And, and, and it was a, a woman that molested me. So if you can imagine, right, growing up in my teenage years, what I, I felt, well, well that's, that's supposed to happen, right? That makes me like, hey, you know, like this happened to me. And, and uh, so even like the attitude in my head and my immaturity, I didn't know what to do with it. It, it hurt. It made me feel like really bad and had really dark, dark, dark feelings inside. But it's almost like I was supposed to accept it, not talk about it. And then all of a sudden I was vulnerable and I opened myself up to, um, it was, it was in, a, in a counseling session, I opened up myself and I was able to talk about it. And, and that was a very, that was a beginning. It was scary, but it was a very beginning part of my, of my journey of having a sense of love and joy. Having a sense of love and joy. The more we talk about and are vulnerable with our pain, the more that we don't just, there's a difference between exposure and vulnerability. Exposure attracts attention. Vulnerability is a revealing of what's happening inside, and it's not just an attention-getting type idea. It actually is a request. It's a request to sit with me here and walk with me through this, through this journey uh, called life. In John 16, it says, I've told you all this so that you can have peace. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. He said sadness. You will have this sadness. But he says, but take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. That's that idea of have assurance, have a confidence. I have overcome the world. In Acts 14, they encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must enter into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. So even, even like the first churches were just commanded and they were instructed, you should expect the tribulation. You should expect the trials. Uh, so God's people are scattered, and we were scattered for a very long time right after, right after you know, they were first called Christians. Christians scattered. They were not sheltered. Never in the Bible do I see that Christians sheltered, let's use the word sheltered in place, not, not necessarily because of COVID, but because of life. And so the idea of sheltering, the idea of holding close, uh, runs the risk of building walls around yourself and, and putting like fences around you, not allowing people in because of the fear that maybe a trial, trial will come. I do understand that there's sickness. I do understand that there's, there's certain trials in the world right now 
that we need to protect ourselves from by wearing masks, by practicing physical distancing, by not sharing certain things, by not hanging out in certain environments. I totally understand that, I promote that, and I think that that is right. There are some people groups out there that I do not agree with that take the idea, faith in a trial will protect me from COVID. I, I think that that is just irresponsible at best. Um, some of the anti-maskers that are out there, I'm gonna tell you right now, that is a form of irresponsibility. And if you wanna talk to me about that, we can have a one-on-one -on -one or a chat online or something. But we need to knock that off um, as Christian people. There's a lot of Christians out there that just say, faith is going to keep me from getting this and being exposed. Whatever. Wear a mask. Put it on. Uh, I, think that, I think it has more to do with helping others and, and protecting yourself and protecting other people. Uh, the rest is just pride and ego. I, I don't understand. But anyway, that's, that's another topic. That was a rabbit trail. That was a rabbit trail. Um, so getting back on track, when it comes to trials and when it comes to tribulation, we don't need to protect necessarily ourselves by building walls around ourselves. We need to enter in and em embrace the trial. And so there will be disappointments and tragedies in our life that we don't need to hide from. So evaluate that in your life. I think that the attitudes that we have, having the right attitude of vulnerability, having the right attitude of not gonna build fences around myself, having the attitude that I'm gonna enter in and embrace the trial and embrace the hardship so that I can learn and letting it be an opportunity for joy. Then we have to expand our mind. I see in verse three, it says, after all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And so, so over time, that embrace of the trial, the testing, the refining, we grow up, we mature. We have, we have endurance, so our faith is finally, is finally tested. And testing, it works. It does, it, it refines our thinking. Uh, when we are tested and when we have to go through a test, we begin to, I think, mostly question ourselves and our history. Wow, I, I shouldn't act that way anymore. I believe that we are in a great test right now, a great test. And either Christians are going to emerge stronger, more mature, more accepting, more loving, more fruit of the Spirit, more care, more empathy, or you're not going to be tested and we're just going to end up more galvanized, more hardened, more stoic. We're going to be you know, less empathetic, sympathetic towards others and more rejecting and, and will build fences around us even, even greater. So we need to move towards producing, producing endurance. And so in Romans 5, it says, we can rejoice too. 
when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are, he says, good for us. They help us to learn and endure. They help us to learn and endure. So this brings up the topic, which can be a sermon in and of itself on one word called patience. Uh, I think that God asks us to be patient. God desires patience. But as you know, if you've been alive more than a day, you know that patience is a, what do they call it? A virtue. Um, it is a value. It is something learned over time. Values just are not imposed on you. Values are learned experiences. And patience is one of those learned experiences. You, you know the impatient uh, person or the impatient child, not to pick on kids, but sometimes our children are impatient. Uh, I know more adults than children that are impatient in my life. And so our impatience is almost like a human condition. We want things to be fixed, and we want them fixed right now. So patience doesn't come from, and, and virtue, values, they don't come from reading books. Books are important, and we are to read. But knowledge comes from books and podcasts and things that you pull maybe online and articles. They come from that. But patience does not come from that. Patience doesn't come from even listening to my sermons. Even this sermon topic right now, point number two on patience. It doesn't come from that. It doesn't even come from praying a prayer and, and even asking for it even though we are to ask for patience, probably. Patience comes in the waiting. Patience is learned in the waiting, in the silence. And I love when Jesus goes to lonely places. I think that there is an attitude of patience there, that he is growing in endurance and growing in patience when he says, I'm going to go pray and spend time by myself. I think that patience comes in, in the waiting. Yet in the patience, in the letting it be joy, and in the learning to have the mind of patience, learning this resilient endurance of, of patience. Nobody wants patience, I know. That was, that was a short topic. We need to move on from that, right? Uh, but we also have to have a posture and the posture that we need to have is that posture of surrender, that posture that God is doing a work in me, that God is doing a work for me in my heart. It says in verse 4, let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. He says, let this endurance complete its work. And so something inside of us, our character, our virtues, our values that we have, there's something that's going on inside of us that we honestly need to submit to. I think that's very relevant to today. To stand up and to run around and 
what am I trying to say there? Let me be careful with what I'm trying to say there. The idea of surrender also happens in the waiting. What I'm trying to say is we, we can't just not do anything. We have to stand up. We have to not be silent. Yet there's also a time for the posture of surrender and patience. We need both. And so if that's the only thing we're doing is, is, is shouting and, and speaking and, and standing up, and there's never a time to go to the lonely place and to wait and to think and to process and to surrender, I don't think we're fueling ourselves to then go out and stand up for injustice and to embrace, embrace trial. So we see this all throughout Scripture. We see that we need this journey of our, our allowing joy, then allowing patience, and then allowing surrender. And then and only then do I see in James, in verse 5 through 8, and we're going to end with this, that finally we can embrace wisdom. We can embrace wisdom. He says, wisdom will certainly be given to those that ask. Whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith without doubting, basically doubting wisdom. Whoever doubts is like the surf of the sea tossed and turned by the wind. So I think that that's wise in and of itself, that, that the idea of not having wisdom uh, you know people that are not wise. They are tossed like the sea. They chase after ideas. They chase after ideals. And they run after the latest and the, the newest and the, the pop and the pop culture. They, they run after those things as this is what's happening now. And I'm going to be a part of this. What's happening now? When it comes to what's going on in the world now, right, in this, this moment, we need to be in this for the long haul. We need to do some heavy lifting for the long haul. Not, not till August. Somebody told me that if, if something would happen in November, that all of this would go away. And I... I thought, okay, that's, that's really short-sighted. Um, all of this is not going away just because we have a change of power or something happens um, in politics. So politics is not going to fix this for us. Um, somebody said that church is the answer, and I believe that in the perfect world, church is the answer. Right now, church can be an answer, but the world has seen the church act in a certain way that church hasn't been the answer to bringing healing and peace and, and equality. So, so we need to be in this for the long haul. And that requires surrender. That requires patience. And that requires building wisdom in our life. 
If you read this again, we should ask for it, right? To not doubt, doubt God in it, but to embrace the trial, to embrace the journey, to embrace the vulnerability so that wisdom can grow and, and that's grown through the testing of the knowledge that we have been, been given. And so when we ask for wisdom, that opens up the gateway for God to do a good work in us, to grow us, to mature us. It's the opportunity for God to enter into these places in our lives and to bring not a, not a, not a complacency. It's, okay, now you don't have to work on that anymore. No, it, he brings a sense of, of depth to our life, of wisdom, and then we're able to invest back into our community. We're able to invest back into the people around us. And that is the faith that James is talking about. Faith that grows through surrender and patience and endurance will grow into a wisdom. It will grow into strength and maturity. And that faith that's given back into your community, into the people around you, that faith is not dead. Is not dead. So let's take communion with that. Jesus sat around the table and he says, this is my body, this is my blood. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to do that right now where the bread represents his body. This is the representation of the gospel. And he was, he was hung on a cross. Jesus was hung on a cross. And in that moment, the world became like the upside down kingdom where somebody died so that many could live. Many could live. And so uh, let's take communion with that in mind. Dip your bread into the juice or take some bread and eat it and drink your juice or wine now and do this in remembrance of Jesus. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just the opportunity to read your word and to ingest some of it and to think about, Lord, the idea of faith, assurance, confidence, endurance, patience, and wisdom. Lord, help us to grow these virtues in our life. You desire to grow them, and so, Lord, we are going to allow that. Lord, we are asking that you would enter into our lives in this moment of time in our history, enter into our lives as a church, and to help us to attain wisdom. Grow our knowledge into it. Test our knowledge, Lord, during this time. We embrace the trial. We embrace the hardship. We embrace the difficulty. Lord, and I just pray that through it, we would allow joy, peace, and love to prevail. Lord, and that you would mature us as Christian people. So, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.